great scripture, right? The temptation of Jesus. Uh, we have to deal with the same temptations, by the way. Have uh, you ever heard of the term body, soul, and mind, or mind, soul, and body? You know, that whole the holistic view of, of who we are. Uh, we get tempted in those areas. We get tempted in our body, in our flesh. We get tempted in our minds, as we, as we discovered earlier in our last series. And we get tempted in our soul. And what in the world does that mean? But, but well, we're going we're gonna to delve into it, and we're going to figure it all out. But everybody deals with temptation. And it's different for everybody. Some of it is like, you know, the big stuff, like lust or greed. Know about the enemy of God is that he's very strategic. He's very tactical. So, well, your temptation is going to be a lot different than who you're sitting next to. And like I said, everybody deals with it. But what the Word of God says is that we have been given the power to overcome each and every single temptation. The believer has the power to overcome each and every single situation. Am I going to get another mic here? Maybe. I'm cutting out again. Okay. That's the devil. temptation is a little bit different. And what the Word of God says is that Christians have the power and the ability to overcome every single temptation that we face. It's a promise of God. If you're not a believer, then it doesn't work so well. Oscar Wilde said, I can, uh, I can avoid every... What, where's, where's the quote? Can we put it up there? I can resist anything but temptation. Oscar Wilde wasn't a he wasn't a Christian. And my, my favorite is Mae West. Let's bring up Mae West's quote on temptation. I generally avoid temptation unless I can't resist it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Come up here and see me sometime. If you young folk have no idea what we're laughing at. If you are not filled with the Holy Spirit then temptation is a losing game for you. You can't do it. It's not, it's not possible. It, the, the, the pressure is too hard to resist. You, 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 gotta, you need God in your life in order to overcome temptation. And Jesus does it. Jesus is like this, this snapshot. We're going we're gonna to break apart this scripture and we're going to look at it because he overcomes the temptations of the body. He overcomes the temptations of the mind. And he overcomes the temptations of the soul. So let's take a look. Hallelujah. All right. So the first part. Uh, Jesus. So annoying. Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert. 
desert seasons are a part of life. They are a part of your Christian life, and unfortunately, it is the Spirit of God who will lead us into those experiences. Now, unfortunately, there is a, a chapter separation, but uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4, they, they should be all in one chapter. And some scholar messed it up. But there, last week, we talked about the baptism of Jesus in open heaven, right? Remember that? It's an absolutely amazing snapshot in history where you have uh, a crowd of people, you have a community of people that are hungry for God, you have Jesus with his family, with his earthly family, and with his heavenly family. So he's being baptized by his cousin. And then in that, that moment, we see the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the way that, that, that scholars talk about it, like this is the perfect community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Those three, those three together, like that's a party. And what was, what's really going on in the baptism of Jesus is a full-blown heaven and earth party. And everybody's enjoying each other's presence. They, they were talking about this for years afterwards. And in the very next moment, we see the Holy Spirit lead Jesus into the desert. And we see one of the great contrasts in the scripture. We go from water into a dry place. We go from being in a community, being in a relationship, into going into loneliness. And it's all part of God's plan. And so Jesus is in, he, he, it's like, why can't I go back to the party? It's basically what he's saying. But he's get, he gets called into this desert season. And once again, it's for us to learn something. It is for us to look at what Jesus did in that desert so that when we, it, when, if, I mean, if you haven't been through one yet, you will. When you were in the desert season, when you are dry, uh, when, when you're, you can't hear from God anymore. Because Jesus had like, like, you know, we had an audible voice from heaven speaking. And now when Jesus gets called into the desert, God's not talking anymore. Did you notice that? Who's talking? The devil's the one that's talking. And so, how do you navigate this? And this is what Jesus does. Okay, so. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So this is your first point. So the enemy of God, this first uh, definition of him is the tempter. Did you notice that? You're going to hear the tempter, you're going to hear the devil, and then you're going to hear Satan. Gives you three different terms for the evil one. So the tempter comes to you, and what he goes after initially is Jesus' well, one of his weakest points. But we know that Jesus is weak in his flesh because he hasn't eaten for 40 years days. And the enemy of God is tactical. He will pick out your weak point and he will exploit it. And he, the amazing thing about the enemy is that he actually uses scripture to do it. So you have to be wise 
when somebody is, I don't know, criticizing you or critiquing you, trying to get you to come over to their side, trying to make you feel guilty, trying to beat you up, and they use scripture to do it. Like if the enemy of God can use scripture, then he can use Uncle Bob to use scripture too. So you really have to be wise, and you need to know the word of God yourself. You need, to, you need to have it inside of you, just like Jesus did, because he, init- he immediately was able to give the biblical response. Now, everybody gets tempted, and the first one is the body. It is the flesh. It is our basis need. So our, our, our number one need to live on this planet is food. Next one, I guess, is sex or shelter. I guess it depends on how old you are. I don't I mean... Clothes is another major need. The desires of the flesh or the needs of the flesh, again, the enemy of God, he will exploit those every time. And again, your temptation is going to be different than others. And so, like, in the, in the, the January 1st season, what is, what's, what is the temptation? What is the thing that you can't put down? Is it, I mean, is it the bonbon? Is it, is it the addiction? Is it... Going to the movies too much. I didn't think I'd have done that over a break. It, we, there, there's something that, that we just get attracted to that we can't put down unless we are empowered by the, God, the, the Word of God, and the Word of God sets us free from those issues. So that's the number one point, is the, the desires of the flesh. Number two. Then the devil... Okay, not the tempter this time, but the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. What we learned in our last series on the battlefield of the mind is one of the things you can't trust. You can't trust the enemy. You can't trust some of your friends. You can't trust politicians. You, know, you can't trust lawyers. I mean, you just name it. You just, there's a lot of things that we can't, that you, you can't, basically you can't put your trust in men, right? Or, or women. You can't put your trust in mankind. You need to put your trust in the Lord. But here's the other thing that we need. Like, this is so important. You can't even trust yourself. You can't trust your own mind. You can't trust your brain half the time. The conversations that you have with yourself, you need to double-check what you are telling yourself. Here's a a very interesting thought to think about. Does your mind own you, or do you own your mind? Does your mind tell you what to do, or do you tell your mind what to do? I mean, that's a very confusing thought to think about, isn't it? But here's, okay, here's, here's the temptation that we see. We see the devil this time take Jesus into the holy city, and he puts him up on the top of the temple, representing religion, re- representing control, representing, you know, the, the, the order of, of the spiritual life. And he puts him up here, and he says, okay, uh, you can get down to the bottom. And all you have to do is just call upon your angels 
and and you, they're going to they're they're going to descend you down. And he says, "No, you can't." Jesus responds, "You can't do that. You cannot tell me what to do. You can't dictate the easiest easiest path down. Your brain, your mind." Will autom- and, and I'm not just making this up. This is what uh, psychologists and brain people say. Your mind will automatically default to the easiest path, the least path of resistance. So if there is something in your life, if there is an obstacle, if there is a plan, if there is a purpose, you will immediately choose the easiest path. You will say it to yourself in your brain, and then you will believe your own lie. And what we are seeing illustrated here, the devil is saying, look, you're on top, let's get down to the bottom, and the easiest way to get down from the bottom is this miraculous thing that you can do right now. Our culture loves this. Our culture loves the, the path of least resistance. We want our fast food, and we want it now. Have have you lost your temper because the fast food line was too long? Or they took too long getting your hamburger out, right? I love the fast food places that says, you know what, we we actually cook our food, so be patient. So they actually give you a warning up in in advance saying, look, it, it will be worth it if you give it time. The devil was tempting Jesus with the fast path, the quick hit. We have it in our culture. We even have something called life hacks. You know, you get it easy. Let's just hack this thing. And I believe that there is something important to, you know, figuring out a practical way to solve a problem. But you can't solve a problem by shortcuts. There are no shortcuts in the kingdom of heaven. The next point is the enemy of God takes Jesus to a higher place. He takes him on top of a mountain. We don't know where this mountain is, but his temptation is, I will give you the entire world. I will give you all of the kingdoms of all time. The kingdoms now and the kingdoms in the future. And this is where we see, this time he's called Satan. This is the accuser. So first was the tempter. Second was was the devil, uh, Diablo. And then now we're talking about the Old Testament accuser. So we see an uncovering of the enemy and his plans. And he says, no, this time Satan is saying, all right, the charades are over. I'm, I'm going to take, here here's my true, here's my agenda. I'm going after the Ten Commandments. Bow down and worship me. And then once again, we see a shortcut. I will give you the kingdoms of this earth. And you don't have to carry your cross now to get it. A very, very tempting offer, isn't it? But what we really see being offered here, where the first one was the temptation of the body, the second one was the temptation of the mind, you know, shortcut. Now we see a temptation of the soul. And what the enemy of God is really highlighting, what he's really going after here, is power. 
He is offering power to Jesus that power without suffering, power without pain, power without paying your dues. Now, most of us can't relate to this type of power. We're not going to be ruling countries. We're not going to, you know, most of us are not politicians. If you are a politician, I'll vote for you. But we don't really have the same um, level of temptation that, that Jesus is facing here or people of high-powered positions. There is a saying that says that, that power is the ultimate aphrodisiac. Have you heard of this? So this temptation of power is actually more tempting than taking the easy path and the power, uh, you know, or the temptation of the mind. The, the, the temptation of the soul and the temptation of power is, is far more attractive and tempting than fleshly desires. Like, it is, it, it, it holds more sway over us than the cookies, than the sexual desires, and all the other, the other things that, they, that we think are important or are powerful in our lives. Now, the temptation of power is by far the most uh, devious of them all. And if we're, not, if we're not careful, this one will really sneak up on us. Now, like I said, most of us, we're not going to be like, well, I don't have this issue, Pastor Josh. I'm not addicted to power. I'm not ruling or lording over anybody. Maybe. But maybe you are in your own way. Power can be very deceptive. Power can uh, be actually very ad addicting. So if you have this dysfunction in your life that actually wants to have power over people, like you're not a president, you're not a dictator, but you're going to rule your own world, you're going to be the number one influencer in your group of people. If people are a means to an end for you, then you fall and pray to this temptation. If you take pleasure in controlling and manipulating people, then you fall and pray to this temptation and you don't know it. If, you're, if your desire is to say, you know, you are here to meet my needs. And you're falling prey to this temptation. We see it in marriages. We see it in the workplace. Employees that, are, that, that have power over their employees. Now, that's a, that's a given, right? If, you're, if your employer is signing your, your check, he or she has power over you, right? You guys get this they can choose not to sign the check. But when the employer says, I'm not going to sign your check unless you do this for me that is outside of your job description, then we see the abuse of power. Then we see the, like, it's, it's a worldly system. So how do we get out of it? The interesting thing that Jesus does, that we see illustrated, is how many days was he in the wilderness? Forty. How many years did it take the children of God to get through the wilderness? Forty years. 
So here's the amazing thing. It took them 40 years to get through a desert season, and they didn't even, they didn't even win. They failed completely. Jesus was able to accomplish what the children of God couldn't accomplish in 40 years, and he did it in 40 days. It's because he knew who he was. And the enemy of God probably had a pretty good idea who he was too. But we see a revealing of Satan. We see a revealing of the evil one. So, now, I don't want to take away personal responsibility. We can't blame the devil for everything. You can't blame the devil for your diet. You can't blame the devil for, some of us wish we could, but you can't blame the devil for your diet or your lack of exercise. You can't blame the devil for uh, the thoughts that run through your head. You're responsible for controlling your own mind and telling, you, telling your mind how to think, telling your mind how to feel, telling your, your mind you know, what are the, what's the right course of action. And you are ultimately responsible for your soul, your emotions, your will, your drive, your, uh, the condition and the attitude of your heart, whether it is pure or whether it is tainted. You are responsible for it. But here's the thing that we do see. The enemy of God is very strategic. He is going to take note of each and every single weak point. And so this is why we need Jesus. We've got to get him into our hearts because he is, where the, where the children of God fail, where we fail, Jesus wins each and every time. Now, my whole point of this message is to not to make us feel guilty or beat us up or make us to look like we're losers. Because here is what's at stake. It's not about how bad you are. It's about the prize that's on the other side. See, what is, going, what is going on from the baptism into the leading into the desert, it is a preparation time, what we call the kingdom of heaven, heaven on earth, here and now. What takes place when Jesus leaves the desert is signs, wonders, miracles. He begins to, no, no matter where his feet land, he begins to walk under heaven. So here's the motivation. Some of us, you're just looking for the right motivation to break the bad habits, right? It's the new year, and you want to break some bad habits. Now, here's, here's the motivation. Motivation right now is heaven on earth. So what Jesus is illustrating to us in this, in this mind, body, soul thing, he's saying, if you guys can recognize and know your enemy, if you can know that you have a tempter that's after you, you know you have a devil that's after you, you know you have a Satan that's after you, you know your enemy, you'll be aware of his schemes. That's a good thing. But the reason why he's after us is because he doesn't want us to tap into the kingdom of heaven here on earth. That's what he's afraid of. He is afraid of you living and acting like Jesus did. Temptation isn't uh, necessarily the name of the game. Complacency is the name of the game. He doesn't want to get you on one big giant blow it, right? Some of us have the one big giant blow it's. The enemy of God would rather just break you down bit by bit, little temptation by little temptation, until where you just don't even recognize bad things anymore. Like they don't have an effect on you anymore. The enemy of God... He is so scared of what you can become when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. The enemy of God is so scared of what your life will look like when you 
are baptized in water, and when you're baptized in fire, when you're baptized in the Spirit, when you begin to walk under an open heaven, and anything is possible. See, that's what he doesn't want to see in your life. And so the temptation is also a test. So when the Holy Spirit leads you into your desert seasons, I want to encourage you to embrace them. Because in a sense, the whole game with the devil, that's going to go on. But also in a sense, what, the, what, what God is doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing, he is testing your mettle. Are you responsible enough to handle the power of God in your life? That's what's really going on. Isn't that kind of exciting? What is on the other side of the des desert if we overcome these temptations of mind, body, and soul? What is on the other side of this is the, the unfettered power of God in our lives. Like he wants to trust you with miracles. He wants to trust you with divine favor. He wants to trust you with divine appointments. Anything is possible. Let's embrace these tests. Yeah? Like, yeah, I don't know how else to say this. Let's embrace the pain. That, that, that suffering that you're going through, like, it's a good thing. Again, be aware of the devil's schemes. Uh, dance with the devil. I mean, fight him, not actually dance with him. Like, you know, guys that get in bar fights, they say, come on, let's dance, right? dance with the devil, like, kick his butt in the desert. That's what he's there for. That is what he's there for. Beat him in the desert. And you will see this heaven unopened in your life. It's going to be a good thing. It's going to be an empowering thing. Mind your body. All those fleshly things, you know what they are. You know what your fleshly temptations are. I don't need to tell you what they are. You know what they are. They don't dictate who you are. They have no control over you. You are, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, you are a saint that occasionally sins. If you are a sinner, let's make you a saint. You're, you're not, uh, the, the, the whole identity of being a sinner is for sinners, not for Christians. Christians that blow it, they sin. And that's just, you know, that's just the way that it is. But that is not our identity. So, like, just get rid of the fleshly stuff. Like, okay, uh, do this. Here's some practical take-homes. Um, go in the bathroom. Look in the mirror. <laughs> right? Have a conversation with yourself about the fleshly things that are hanging you up. Like, have a hard conversation with yourself about your diet, about your exercise, about your, what you're watching on TV, about all these, you know, about your attitudes. Have a conversation with yourself. Think about your mind. Think about what you're thinking about. Review Battlefield of the Mind if you need to. Does your mind, does your brain tell you what to do? Are you smart enough to know when it is telling you to take the path of, le of least resistance. Because your mind's going to say, I don't want to go to the desert, Lord. Right? It will tell you that. 
the Holy Spirit could be leading you into the desert, but your brain, your monkey mind will say, no, that's going to hurt. We're not going to do that. And here's the thing about Christians. We will believe those own lies, and then we'll chalk it up as spiritual discernment. And then there's that power thing. Man, are you, like, if, we're, if you're a control freak, like, just, like, deal with it. Like, like, repent of that thing. Like, if you love lording power over other people, repent of it and get into a right relationship with the Lord. Controlling the world is Jesus' job. It's not our job. Let's let him control it. He won the right to do it. Let me get the ushers and the band to come up to the front. As they're on their way up, let me read uh, 1 Corinthians 2. Help you uh, give you a little more comfort on this one. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure. So you can endure. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, I just thank you so much for the work that you're doing in our hearts in this season. If it is a season of self-reflection, God, I pray that we will take a good hard look in the mirror and we'll say, you know, this area, this physical area of my life needs some attention. Some of you just need to go to the doctor. You just need to get your checkup, and you don't want to go because it's... Doctors are scary places to, to go. Doc, hospitals are scary places to go at times. The Lord would say, don't take that path. Jesus, we are so grateful for the work that you did on the cross. When you could have taken the easy way out, when you could have gained the whole world, if you just would have bowed down and worshipped Satan, you chose not to do that. We're so grateful that you chose not to do that. But you overcame that temptation, and you overcame sin, and you overcame death. you've modeled to us that we can do it too. So God, right now, I pray that you just give us that power to overcome sin and to overcome death. In your name, Lord Jesus. God bless you guys as you give back to the Lord.